Welcome to the Dad Bod Bible Real Men Talk. This is episode two, and today I'm with a longtime friend and my Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu instructor from Australia, Paulo Gamares. I don't know how many times he's won the Brazilian World Championship, but it's more than once. And uh, yeah, what about what Danny and I, Paulo? What I'm sorry, are you good? What, what, Danny, what, what under- Danny, are you? You're what Dan black belt? Fourth I'm Dan, fifth. fifth Dan, fifth. Yeah. So how long have you been doing jujitsu now? Um, I started in '82, uh, so it's long time. 80 Thirty-eight years. years. My God, I was only five. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was, I was almost dead. <laughs> <laughs> and where? But you're from Sao Paulo, aren't you? Is it Sao Paulo? No, I'm from Rio. I'm from Rio. Rio. Actually, I was I was born in the North Brazil, but I. I was, I moved, my parents moved to Rio when I was six months. Then I was in Rio most of my life. And then give me, give me a bit of background about yourself. Cause like, I know you, but the viewers won't. So what, what, what started you out? What, what made you start you just, just, just because you were Brazilian and it's what was done or? Well, uh, in, in Brazil, we, uh, kids normally, when you are a kid and you like a little four, five, six years old, your parents put it, it used to be like that, but I think it's still going. Uh, if you are a girl, you go to do ballet. If you are a boy, you do judo, right? So, and then swimming. So I used to do, me and my body used to do judo and swimming since we were six. And then you move, move suburbs. We moved from Ipanema to Baja. That's the two different suburbs. And when you moved to Baja, Baja was, at that time, was very, very beginning of the, the suburb, was a new, new suburb. And we live in a condominium, a closed condominium. In Brazil, we have lots of closed condominiums. They have the whole wall around. So we have all the things inside. There's a club. There's the like a little little town inside the condominium because of security, right? So and the kids can walk around freely and ride the bikes and everything. And then my mother, there was a pool. There was a club with a swimming pool. But then she saw some people with geese wearing kimonos and said, "Oh, that's judo," and put me there. But it was not judo. It was jiu-jitsu. So then I started jiu-jitsu by 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 coincidence. <laughs> You weren't even meant to be doing jiu-jitsu. Yeah, so then, then she, then she, then the guy who was teaching there actually was uh, Flavio Berin. He was a direct student of Elio Gracie, was one of the first Elio Gracie students in the Berin family. That's a very famous family that too. And then I start training and then just keep going. So I, then in that condominium was close to the beach. So I start surfing as well. So all together. And then jiu-jitsu at that time was just, um, just something that you do for sport. Nobody were, nobody thought about. Was not out of Brazil, so nobody thought about. Okay, I'm gonna make a jiu-jitsu career, or I'm gonna be a jiu-jitsu teacher, or something. Just train because you no, know, like kids need it. And in Brazil, we need it because that's uh, when you get a teenager, you go out or something. There is fights. There is there is people mugging you. There is you no know, trouble. So if you don't do it, you are in trouble. So we have to have to learn how to defend yourself. I think that was the main idea of my mind. Just put us there, as all the mothers, because uh, you learn self-defense. And who was, who's your instructor then? My, uh, when I started was Flavio Berin. That's, uh, now he's a red belt from uh, one of the highest belts. He's about 80, uh, almost 90 years old. But um, then his son, Marcelo Berin, and uh, Silvio Berin took over after some years. Then uh, I stayed training with them. Marcelo Berin came to Australia in 85, I think, when around the world challenged people. So when he left, uh, the gym divide, and around, then I started. Sorry, he uh, went around the world tra- challenging. Yes. No way. Was yeah, that so, legit? 
I know the Chris, yeah. done that, but the, did, you, did your instructor actually travel the world just walking into jiu-jitsu clubs or martial arts clubs and challenges? No, 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 that, yeah. There was no more jiu-jitsu at the time. UFC started in 93, to imagine. So all the greatest is still in Brazil. And Marcelo was a surfer too, so he, he came to Indonesia to surf. And from Indonesia, he came to Australia and, and launched a, a challenge like Kelly Grace used to do the challenge, remember? In yeah. the 1930s, 40s, 50s, huh. they used to put a, the bigger page on the on the newspaper and written like, uh, you think you are tough? So we pay you, let's say, $50,000 if you beat us, Gracie, Gracie Brothers. And um, any size, any, any martial arts, any background, no time limit, no rules, no, no gloves. And then the guys used to come for the Gracies and the Gracies to bash them. So that's when Jiu uh, became famous in Brazil, right? That's when they took over the other gyms and took over the other martial arts. And Marcelo did the same. He came to Indonesia to suffer for Frank. He came to Australia for a challenge in the newspaper. And then um, he got a guy here to sponsor and put a challenge. I fight to any anyone, any size, any weight for until the end. Like until someone give up, of course, not until death, but until someone <laughs> give up for, <laughs> for $50,000. And then the challenge was on and one guy came. He was telling us the story after. One guy came and they went to a for a dinner, him, the guy, and uh, the sponsor just to you know that just to set up the rules and, and organize everything. And the guy was John Will. John Will was the first the guy who brought Jiu Jitsu to Australia after this. So what happened was John Will met Marcelo, and Marcelo said, "Okay, we fight till to the end." And John Will was black belt in all the martial arts, right? And then John Will got, got out from the dinner and went to, to research about Marcelo because at the time it was 80, 85, there was no internet. So he went to research and, I don't know, made some calls and stuff for American guys. And he found out that Marcelo was the number one student of Hickson, right? <laughs> and, <laughs> it's like, oh, and, then yeah. <laughs> and then he researched about Hickson and he found out that Hickson was the best guy, best, the most dangerous guy ever, you know? And then, um, and then he gave up. And then he gave up the challenge and he didn't fight Marcelo. But what happened was, that was interesting. He went to Brazil to find out about Jiu-Jitsu. And then he went to Brazil, he went to Carlos Gracie school, and then he started training and met the Machado brothers, that's uh, uh, Gracie cousins. And the Machado lived in America. So since then, he started training with the guys every time, every year, one or two times to America. And then he learned a little bit of Jiu-Jitsu, he got a blue belt or something, and he opened the first gym in Australia. So he, he was the guy who brought Jiu-Jitsu to Australia, but because of Marcelo. Yeah. Brilliant. It's like, for me, <laughs> For me, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is like it's it's made me so many friends. It's 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 brought me to like Australia, like kept me in Australia. My like yeah. Luke, Luke and my Luke and myself still talk to each other all the time. You know, I've I've made lifelong <laughs> friends. I've talked I I talked to loads of the the boys and girls from Roots that I hung about in Australia, Dave O'Brien, and I would say match yeah. Philip and Gordo, and it's 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 definitely there's. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, of all the martial arts I've done, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu has definitely got the very, the most family feel. And, you know, like, yes. there's a belonging in Jiu-Jitsu, like when you're part of the club, and it was something that you're very strong in it, you know, it was like Roots' is family. And, you know, you did, you'd never, you never turned your back on your family. And I, that's what I think, I think that's why I was, I found myself so drawn to you, because your, your philosophies behind what you were thinking was very much in, in tune what I was. I can remember every time we would line up at the end of the class and you would just go on one of your rants 
and everyone would be going, what the fuck? And I'd just be in stitches because you, <laughs> your head, the way it thinks, is exactly like my head thinks. You just go on these rants. And I, I think it was one of my favorite parts because you would just go on for 10 minutes and we'd be standing there in the swelter and heat and you'd just be talking about something. And I'd be in my head. I was laughing my balls off. <laughs> <laughs> and then you would see me laughing. and You'd go, whoa, give me 10 push-ups. Stop, stop, stop you laughing. And I'd have to do that. I have got so many fond memories of Hakua Club and Roots Brazilian Jitsu and the people we met there. It's just, I think for me, jiu-jitsu is something that every human being should do. It's it's something that every person should do because it just, it shows you, it teaches you discipline. It teaches you that you can't, it, it doesn't come easy. Life and life, things don't come easy. And jiu-jitsu is that sort of way in life. It, it forces you to just accept it you're not good at something. You're going to get beat up and time over and over and over again, and that's that's like that's like childhood, isn't it? Like the white belt is like being a part, like being a child. You're going to get beat up and beat up and beat up, and then blue belt's like teenager. You think you're there, but then you realize you're not, and then you're the purple belt in your twenties, and you think you're maybe a bit tougher, but then you've got someone in your thirties as a brown belt, and then eventually you get to your forties and fifties, and that's a black belt. And I think jiu-jitsu is a very good uh, story for life. And it's something that I think everyone needs to be doing. And it's a shame that in, in, in Ireland, it's become massive over the last 10 years. I started back to jiu-jitsu two years ago, a year and a half ago. No, but two years ago. And I walked in and there was white belts doing shit to me that I had no clue. <laughs> the evolution of jiu-jitsu is just like so insane. And like I, I'm talking like a like a ten year gap for me. So, how do, how have you seen like Jitsu went back in two thousand and five when I was training with you two thousand four two thousand five? How have you seen a change from then to now? The evolution of it. What do you see of it? Yeah, 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 yeah. That oh, the Jitsu took over the world after. So that's the story. So then myself just finishing that. Then myself came here, challenged everyone, went back to Brazil, and went to America, and then went back to Brazil, and um. In that time, I started training with George. That's my master to now, the instructor to now, George Pereira. And Marcelo came back to Brazil, started to train again, but was killed. Was murdered. What? And then, yeah. Then um, then he died, and it was a, bad, a big commotion in, in the, 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 the Jiu-Jitsu world at the time. Hickson was just moved to America in 89, and the Graces as well, like, the, he started to do the Gracie stuff. Like, they started, the Gracie Challenge is the same. You can go on the internet and see the Gracie Challenge in America. They challenge people in the garage and they start to grow, start to grow until 93 when Hardy and Gracie created the UFC, not great fighting. And then uh, they did a cage fight and that was the first UFC, Hoist fought. Hoist Gracie fought was the skinnier one, you remember? And yeah. um, beat everyone in the four first editions and then Jiu-Jitsu exploded to the world. That was the point where you're talking now. So Jiu-Jitsu from UFC, everybody know about Jiu-Jitsu and then that's it. And then comes to today and then evolve and everybody wants to learn and the greatest gyms exploded in America, and everybody started to move out of Brazil to America first, and then to Europe and to, to Australia. I was the first black belt to arrive in Australia, first Brazilian black belt to arrive and stay in Australia. Some others came before to do seminars, but um, I'm the first one to, to leave and open a gym in Australia. That was in 2000. And then that, that's, what, that, that's exactly the point you talk about now, because from then on, from the UFC, 1993, maybe 94, 95 on, Jiu-Jitsu started to grow like exponentially. It took over the world. So today they have Jiu-Jitsu everywhere. They have Jiu-Jitsu in many places in Africa. They have Jiu-Jitsu in all the whole Asia. 
have Jiu-Jitsu in China, has big investment in Jiu-Jitsu in China. The Emirates, you see like the Sheikh, you could create the big competition, you know, Abu Dhabi and everything. And that was the, well, and now I think the last, that's how Jiu-Jitsu took over the world, spread out. And Brazilians have a had a chance to get out from Brazil and start to think about the career. I was already a black belt when I got out. So, you know, like I got the first wave out. But nowadays you see kids in Brazil, you see young people in Brazil training to become world champions or just training to, and learning English and learning other languages to get out from Brazil because it's a career. In Abu Dhabi now they have 500 schools uh, with Jiu-Jitsu in school. They have the whole army with Jiu-Jitsu in Jordan. They have Jiu-Jitsu in all the schools and all army as well learning Jiu-Jitsu. So they have, like, they're massive. In the Middle East, they, uh, Saudi Arabia is, uh, it just closed a contract some years ago or two years ago for the same thing to get the school, Jiu-Jitsu in school, it's Jiu-Jitsu around. They are more organized like that because there is one guy who organized, like the Sheikh organized and pay and pay good money. So Brazilians are get out from Brazil like, like Brazilians used to get out for just for football. Now they are getting out for Jiu-Jitsu. So it's one of the biggest things. I you think. Know, I, and then, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Can yeah. You? And then, uh, then the, the image of UFC in the beginning, and that of course was no almost no rules fight, almost no like so we are aggressive because of the cage and stuff. And even UFC nowadays is when when UFC every weekend or every two weekends and people sit in the pub and watch the UFC all around the world you know and so it became a normal thing I remember when I arrived in Australia I was talking about uh it's not it was not MMA it was kind of MMA but it was beginning of MMA so it was more no hold by fight or valitudo and people oh what's that it's a tough man fight no no tough man fight is different this is the guys fight they two martial arts fight you know uh to prove who was the best art at the time. Then they became mixing martial arts. Now the guy does everything. One guy does all the martial arts to be, be the other athlete. And then people didn't understand what it was. I did a, a show here, um, Hexagon, in 2007. <laughs> it was four events and was a cage. We, we built a cage here. But you see, UFC was in 93, America and everywhere. Most of the countries knew it. But here they didn't have a deal what it was. So there was no legislation about it. So what happened was in 2007, I built a cage and I did four, four events, elimination rounds, like the first UFCs, of course, with gloves, a little bit more rules, but um, and put in the, and I put in four places. It was each one, of my, one every two months during the year. And I put two times, I put in the NIDA. NIDA is the national uh, theater here where Nicole Kidman came from, where Russell Crowe came from. So it's the top theater, like a, Training national, whatever, uh, they form actors and stuff. And then they have a stage there, and you put a, <laughs> and you put a cage on the stage, and the theater will sell the tickets, and they didn't know what it was. Once, <laughs> <laughs> I can just see people's those people's faces. What the fuck is going on here? Yeah, we just had a place and we're going to make an event, a fighting event. Okay, no problem. And then you put the cage and then you put in the full crowd, like fighters, a lot of people who like fights and everything advertised, put the people in and the guys start to fight each other. And then the next day I have the, I have the, the newspaper, newspaper, uh, full page, full page on the sports part of the Sydney Morning Herald. Bad bluff in neither theater. <laughs> As I, Blood, sorry, blood, 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 blood bath, blood bath, blood bath, blood bath in neither tier. And then the, the report goes, and I fought off a guy, punched the other guy in the face. The, the most, most iconic uh, tier thing in Australia now had a, had a gladiator style fight with blood and people screaming and no shirts and that. So it was, ah, 
full on. But it was the fuck. So that was the beginning kind of mash. What year was that? When was that? What year? This was 2007. 2007. No, I had left by that stage. Yeah, yeah, 2007, 2008. And then, okay, the people, oh, uh, then, then, the, then they couldn't do anything about it because there was no legislation on it. Was not legal, but was not illegal because yeah. it never happened, right? And then we did three more, and I was like, big, oh, people, oh, what's going on? Cage fighting. Because UFC was not on TV here yet. UFC came to TV here, I think, in 2000. I, then what happened was in 2009, the UFC called, went to do first UFC in Australia, right? And then they called, they tried to get in, and uh, but there was no legislation on it. So the government couldn't allow or disallow. They didn't, didn't have legislation. So the the minister of um, of sports of New South Wales called me. His officer called me. Oh, is this Paulo Guimarães? Yeah, yeah. Oh, we are from the, 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 the sports minister office here. And uh, you have to help us, man. What's, what's going on? UFC wants to come to Australia, wants to make their first show in Sydney. And we don't know any shit about it. We don't know nothing about it. <laughs> I like rules and stuff. Can you please, for the love of God, can you send us lots of information? How does it work? What's the rules? What's this? Because the press is going crazy on us. And we have to have a, uh, an answer for the press to allow your seat to come to Australia. I said, okay, so I'm going to send all the rules and all the, the how it works and what, what's about. And everything. oh, please send to us, send to us. And I sent to them all the information they could. And then they could approved that they made the legislation could approve and UFC came to Australia. So that was the first UFC in Australia. And since then, they start to pass on TV. So then the image of, uh, of let's say, cage fighting is much more diluted. So everybody understands, everybody agrees. And then comes the point. Then Jiu-Jitsu became much more famous here as well, like happened in America before. And also about then the, 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 the subject you were talking about, about, I think, the last four years, the last four years it came to the kids' side. Because before it was just an adult sport, adult sport with not like martial arts stuff. And we had competitions here since, since 2001. You remember the competitions used to be yeah, here, yeah, right? Yeah. The Federation. The Federation I kept got, going. I got, I, I got silver the first time I competed against you. I didn't even know what I was doing. I was like, I was <laughs> years, and you were like, yeah, I can, I can actually remember that um, I took mount on the guy. And you were like, I just remember the group and you went, hey, Irish, Irish, what the fuck's his name? I'm like, Irish, Irish. Stay on mount, stay on mount, move your arm. And I'm just moving my arm, bring it back, and you'll stay there. Stay. <laughs> I got, I was actually in the final with another Roots guy, and you decided, oh, yeah. you, you, I can't remember the guy's name, but um, you decided that that's it, you know, he got the gold and I got the silver because he didn't, <laughs> family didn't fight. But I, I didn't remember that because I was like, well, I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing here. I haven't, I haven't trained in months and months, but it was, I remember that, that was pretty good. The competition. <laughs> that was actually my first exactly. time. That was my first time competing in jiu-jitsu. I'd fought MMA, but I'd never competed in jiu-jitsu competition, and uh, I really enjoyed it. Like I started jiu-jitsu in two thousand, and then I'd done jiu-jitsu for about six months to a year, and then I met my MMA instructor in that jiu-jitsu club, Davy Patterson, from um, EFR or now it's not EFR. It was EFR, it's not EFR. But um, so I sort of went off the jiu-jitsu end and focused more on no gay MMA. Um, but it was mm. when I went to Australia, I, got, I found the love of jiu-jitsu and I was like, this is fucking awesome. Yeah, it's fun. I always think exactly. to myself, I always look now, I see Rich and I see fucking Robert and I see them all and they're all black belts and I'm going, I'm still a fucking <laughs> blue belt, I'm a dick. Yeah, I was mad. Nah, I can, uh, 
but you you did all the things. I remember when the that time your 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 guy was fighting MMA. Remember, you have a had a big guy for the MMA who went to the yeah. to the show and he won. Yeah, one yeah. of these fights he won, and also the young boy. Oh, that's right. That, you was over, that was the time you came over to see me in, the, in 2009. Yeah, I went yeah, there two times. That's right, Sean yeah, Crow, yeah. Sean Crow, and uh, Joe Clark was fighting. That was there. I was actually a good show. Exactly, that was yeah. That was good fights. They won. That's cool. And, yeah. won, and the big one won the the, 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 the belt. He was had the belt already. He just defended the belt. It was good. That the the smaller guy that, that won the fight. That he he could have been Conor McGregor. He, he would be good. Won. What happened to him? Did it stop? Just stop. Just yeah. They stop. There's some talented kids that they come in and say, "Oh, this guy's gonna be the next world champion," and then they just do something else and disappear. Oh, broke my heart. It still breaks my heart to watch because I think to myself, he had everything except it up. He just didn't, he just didn't have it. You know, he, he had everything, all the attributes, but whatever it was, he just didn't have the hunger. It was, yeah, that's true. Yeah. You need happens to have hunger in this game. Yeah, it happens a lot. The boys come with talent and like amazing fight and win and go there and keep going and something else take them out or parties or, or other things they distract and just disappear. And then what happened was that then after this, and the federation still won. This is the 20th, 20th year of the federation now, 2021. We started in 2001. And all these years we've been doing lots of competition, lots of competition. But what happened in the last four years that I noticed that the number of kids, and kids, I mean, from four years old, that's when they start to compete until what, 15 or even 13 before 12, before teenagers. Like now it's going like that. It's going up. Every gym has lots of kids. We have, uh, I don't know. Uh, the last two years, we went from, I don't know, 30, 40 kids competing to 400. What? Yeah. So, exactly. So, the so that's the, the, the I think that was the, the, the effect on the kids. Because the first one was the effect on the fighters. The fighters saw jiu-jitsu was very effective to fight, right? So, every fighter wants to learn jiu-jitsu because they want to fight on the floor. Then became the, just after that, when UFC and all these things came, became the appeal also, after the fight, it became appeal of normal people. Is a good exercise. Is 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 healthy. It's good atmosphere, like you said. Is the jiu-jitsu is a family, and we all pass this. And um, and also they learn self-defense. Even in a country like Australia, we don't need much self-defense because it's not violent, but they do it. And then they and then with the competition, they have an incentive to keep compete, keep training to compete. It's fun, like you said. And then after that, now and now is the last four or five years. Came the kids. So now the kids are leaving karate or taekwondo or this or that because it's striking punches and doing jiu-jitsu because first is less trouble, at least in Australia, less trouble. Like the kid do not go to school and punch the other kid and have the parents go there so they can control the other kid and, and, and not submit even because the little ones that don't teach submission, but they can control the fight and be safe. Second, because a very good sport for coordination, for for social, for meeting the, for the kids. And what you said as well, like a little kid of four years old, we have four to six years old class and you have to seven to 12. So the four years old gonna see another four years old, but they also gonna deal with the six years old that's bigger than him and gonna bash him a little bit. And a two year, two year body, that's massive. Exactly, so he has to deal with that. You no, know, so he starts to, and also contact kids. I don't know, I don't think in Ireland like that, but here you touch the kids, the kids are not used to human touch because that, oh, don't touch me, all these or that, you know, the parts are full of, uh, yeah. yeah. People touch each other, give a hug, or you no, know, like or whatever. You no, know, like meet a friend in Brazil, meet a friend, you give a hug. Here you meet a friend, you shake hands. Oh, shake hands. Stay away. Oh, hello, how are you? Come on, you, you meet a girl, like not, not your girlfriend, anybody, but you're in a group, you're gonna say hello to the girls, you get two kisses. You no, know, it's already contact. So, and then the kids, I noticed that in the gym, they're they not very used to contact because the parents don't allow. 
you know? Yeah. So then they start to touch it. Yeah, they start to touch, start to control, start to feel, they cry, of course, they cry when they, when they get hurt some, not even hurt when the other kids squash them a little bit, they cry, oh, don't cry, keep going, oh, no. And they go run to mommy, no, 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 stay down here, there's no mommy. I'm sorry Nobody for gonna save you. I'm sorry for interrupting, but <laughs> you'll laugh at this, right? But see, when I left Australia, and honestly, this is, this is no word of a lie. The amount of times that I've been on my back, absolutely fucked. And in my head, for some reason, I can just see you sitting over at the wall in the core club going, hey, Paul, fucking keep going. Get off your back, get off your back. And I'm like, but even though <laughs> you're not there, it's 10 years ago. And I'm like, well, fuck, if Paulo was here, and I'm, I'm, I'm sneaking on to my side <laughs> because I just don't remember you were just ruthless. Absolutely, <laughs> I remember you giving me my blue belt, and uh, I rem I knew it was going to happen because we were gra you were grappling me. It was my last night. It was my last full night in Australia, and um, we were grappling, and you called me out. You know, after the end of the thing, and it was like three minutes or five minutes. You made everyone change, and you just went, "No, you stay." And I remember Gordo looking over and going, <laughs> "Camera," and Gordo got the camera. And I just remember my heart sinking going, I'm about to experience a hell that I have never experienced before. <laughs> and then you took me unconscious and I can remember coming around and I was talking to my nanny. My nanny had just died about seven months ago and I was going, I'm okay, I'm okay. And you looked down and was, hey, Paul, you have black belt now. And you put your black belt over me and I was all confused. And then you just jumped at me again. And it was funny. <laughs> It was 45 minutes of absolute fucking hell. Sorry for interrupting, but it could, that just brought back, you know, that, it just brought back that memory. <laughs> but that's it, that's it. it yeah, that's it. That's yeah, go, it. Go. it pushes you, that, 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 that sort of makes you realize how much more capable you are. Like I understood that as a blue belt, you were the black belt, you could destroy me at any point, but you just kept me tapering that edge of my ability and you know, my like my mind wanted to quit and quit and you just would not and it, it came to the point where i knew if i quit you were just going to choke me unconscious anyway so i had to just keep yeah. it. it was like fight for a life but it really it teaches it taught you how to dig down deep and you know find more inside you and i think that as kids like what you're telling about saying about the kids you know no no get it back on the get back on the mats you're not allowed to run to your mommy it teaches kids that self-discipline that self-belief that crosses yeah. over to life Absolutely brilliant. We're talking to kids, you've got two now. What is yours? Uh, they are eight and what eight thirty-nine next week and ten ten eleven this year. So eight and ten right now. Yeah. Thor's, Thor's the oldest, isn't he? Thor is the youngest one and uh Atze is the oldest. And uh, how are they doing in their competitions? They're doing good. They they've been going last year there was no competition, but the competition before they just go and fight some gold, some medals, some silver, some first loss. And that is good because, like, like what I was saying before, like the four to six, you have to in, in on the match you have to do. There's nobody to save you, right? You have to do if you, whatever happens. Of course, if you get hurt, I stop up and take care of you or the kid, whatever. If you break a nut, but uh, if you if break you just yeah, get on the but if you just, Yeah, but just if you are there, you know, and you want to go to mommy because you don't like what I say, or because the other kid like you tap, or because the, you know the other kid is holding you down. So there's no mommy like, look, you have to survive by yourself. Get up. Like the same I did with you with the kids on the bottom and the and the other ones on top and the other ones bigger. And you start like the in the beginning, the first month or so, they start to let the cry, that face to cry, or sometimes they even cry and said, 
You can cry, but the cry will not save you. You have to do something. Or you have to be crying there forever. They got not leave. And the other kid keep looking to me, the kid on top and said, no, don't leave, stay there. You can cry, but cry not save you. Call your mommy, scream and not save you. You have to get out by yourself. Don't give up. They did tap. No, no tap. There's no submission. You have to get out and let them there for the rest of the fight. You know? And then the next time I said, look, when the fight finished, I said, you have two options. Or you learn how to get out from there, or you don't let the guy get there. Now, you cannot run. And then they start to get in their mind, get in their mind. And then after like one month, even, they're just a tough, tough little bastards. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they tap there. I have an Irish there. I have an Irish one. Frankie. An Irish and, kid? Well, uh, yeah, Martin, his father has Frankie Veronica. Veronica's tough. Frank is about the same age as 80 years old, from the same school. Bro, he, he won a competition. I took him to a competition in 2019, the first competition. He was doing for three months. And when they line up on the end, they say, competition's come. Who wants to go? He goes straight, me, me, me. I said, I looked at him, oh, you're fucking just doing for three months. But okay, Frank is in. So <laughs> I put the order and put Frank in. No, he didn't know much what to do, but then he was there. He wanted to go, ah, like, like, heart, high, high heart, and like, ah, crazy one. He has the eyes like that when you go fight. So then, uh, then I said, okay, Frank died. Okay, Frank, it's like this. If you fall, if you take you down, get out from there, stand up again. And if you fall on top, just hold him down. That's what I have to do. Three minutes fight for his age. So that's what I have to do. And um, he went there and fight the first fight, won. Good. Fight the second fight, same final. Same final? Yes. And then he no, he won one. Was three three kids in the in the in the in the division, so they do round robin. So the first, if you lose the first fight, you fight the, the, the other one who is in the bye, and then there's one goes to the final. So he lost the first fight, and said, "Frank is okay. Let's go. We have another chance." And then when the second fight, then I will go harder. Don't let because the boy took him down the first fight. I said, "Don't let him take you down. Stay up. If you take you down, pushing out." The boy was a bit bit, bit chubbier than him, a bit bigger because. The same weight, right? Same belt, same weight, same age. The boy came to him, tried taking down, he defending, controlling, controlling, but like defending that uh, scrambling, standing. And then suddenly he managed to go behind the boy, standing. And then he grabbed the boy neck on a headlock. It was not even a choke. It was a headlock just like that, and hang there. And they both welcome like that. And they hit behind the boy, hugging, hugging, hugging. And Tony said, Frank. Squeeze it, and he's about to Irish. Come on, Frank, squeeze it, and he's holding, holding the boy, walking around with Frank on his back, walking around with Frank back. The referee looked to me, and I said, just like this, it was not a choke, right? It was just a lock, so let him, let it go. And the other boy, um, he said, but it's funny. The other boy started to cry, standing like this, he couldn't get out. He started to cry, and I said, Frank, don't let it go. And then the referee started to look to me, what do I do now? I said, he has to tap, otherwise it doesn't finish. And the <laughs> And the, the technical director of the competition came to watch. He's keep watching. The French is squeezing like a crazy, like he did it. And like, go. And then boy crying, crying, crying. And then, uh, and then the ref stopped. And Frank, yeah, and everybody, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. Um, the, I'm sure in the next 10 years, jiu-jitsu is going to just take off in Australia, especially if you've got so many kids at four years old. My God, what yes. are they going to be like at 14? You know, do you no. ever do you ever envision a time when Australia will compete with Brazil and America with uh, with the talent pool and the ability? Man, we have we have already some. Um, we were the first world champions from Australia. Me, Felipe, Andrew, and yeah. Dave when we went to Brazil in two thousand three. Right, they were blue belts. I was black belt. I can say I'm Australian, but real Australians were them. Right, I was competing for Australia at the time. 
And then we went on the call, on the call, on the, on the big article in the magazine in Brazil. And first Australians, Australians 100% uh, uh, in, in uh, 100% of success in, in the World, World Cup and everything. And we were famous and here and all the magazines here and TVs or whatever. They, because it was the first time the Jiu Jitsu got gold medals and was falling straight now in the World Cup. And next year, they went back again. They didn't go that year. That was 2003, 2004. They went by themselves and got second time gold medal again, went in the magazines again. So it was the start of it. And then nowadays, we have lots of world champions. So we have this guy, um, Lachlan Gilles, they got third place in Abu Dhabi now. We have uh, uh, other, other boys around that are, are getting blue belts, purple belts, got lots of world champions. How many, so world champions no... how, many, how many world champions has Roots got? We have four, two, three of them. The guys, uh, Philippa, Andrew, and, and, and Dave were two times World Cup champions. Yeah. And then um, got all the titles around. And I got, I got one for the first year, 2003. And I got in Japan, I got a 2003 in Brazil World Cup. Then 2004 in America, I got second place in the Open Division in the Pan American, almost won. Uh, 2008, I won two, two, two gold medals weight and open weight in uh in japan in the asian and i won the abu dhabi trials here as well in 2009 so all the abu dhabi trials like to general i went to abu dhabi i lost there in the finals but i won the, the trials for australasia and the other ones here we have what we have um lots of national champions from pacific from pacific champions have lots too so we have lots of champions there and now it, it, it's funny because like in every sport there's um there's a phase you have everybody up there and then there's a lack of champions for a bit. And then these guys are training, go up there. So it's like waves, right? You, it's hard to keep all the champions at the time. So have the champions and have the guys that are down here. And then until these guys here get to that level, so have a phase where you don't have many champions, then you go champions again and down again. And like, like we said before, it's, there's lots of people with talent, but the ones who stay, the, the proportion for black belts, the last time I saw, I think was one for a thousand. I don't know if it's better now, but yeah. One in one thousand people. It's it is something that I I swore to myself, and I will do it one day. I before I die, I will be a black belt in jujitsu. That's it. Like <laughs> 20, 20 years. I'm doing this twenty. I'm in my twenty first year of martial art jujitsu jitsu MMA. I should be a black belt twice over. You know, but I'm still a, <laughs> I'm a still a still blue belt. <laughs> well, but fix your hip and come back. <laughs> oh, here, but that's what I intend to do because genuinely. The, the year I was doing jiu-jitsu again, I couldn't do much. I knew my hip was getting bad. It's, it's way worse now, mm -hmm. but even getting smashed, even getting beat, I didn't care. It was just, it's the competitive. I like jiu-jitsu because you can make it ego-fueled. You can you can really focus on, ah, oh, he beat me. Or you can just make it about yourself. Do you know, for yeah. me, for me, what I done was when I went on my back, my goal was get off my back. That's it. I don't care if I get tapped out. I don't care mm -hmm. how many times you tapped me out. I need to figure out a way of getting out of the, getting off my back. And if I got off my back and he put me straight back on my back, I didn't care. Because for me, it was just like, ah, I'd done that. I, I set out a goal, I managed, and I used technique and I got there. And that was a, that was something for me. It was an intrinsic goal for me that they, because of, I knew my limitations, to be able to do that against the full-bodied guy who was maybe a purple belt. For me, that was like winning a gold medal. I was like happy days. And I went away from that class on a high. And that's what I think people need to understand. I think when you get the appoint in your martial art career and you, 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 you allow yourself to forget about the ego and 
forget about being tapped and not, not care about being tapped. It opens up something in your mind. It's like it's like moving yoga. It's like moving meditation. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. at that moment you're there's nothing else matters when you're grappling except what you're doing there and now, not the move before. You're maybe thinking of a couple moves after. You maybe plans. You're planning what route you can take, depending on what he does. But you've not. You're forgetting about everything in the past. You forget about any of your troubles. Yes. You forget about your girlfriend fighting with you. It's just that there and then, and it just it relieves pressure. I think everyone. I, I would love. I would love the rest of the world to take the the United Arab Emirates idea of introducing jujitsu to kids in the school because. The amount of depression, the amount of unconfidence, the, the lack of yeah. lack of confidence kids have these days, like it it just builds fortitude and builds like self esteem within the kids. It's massive. It's it's something that's really lacking in the schooling system today. I think. Do you ever think Australia is going to have that where it will be part of the school curriculum? Well, we have we have some some gyms. We had on our gym as well in Chinatown. We had um, some schools come to do to do. Uh, they call us, oh, can, we'd like to do a, a session for the kids and self-defense. Or some schools are also, there are some schools that, normally private schools, they have the initiative to, because they have the money to pay the instructors, so they have the initiative to do them uh, like weekly, bring the kids and do some exercise and stuff. Yeah, there is, this is the beginning. But I think um, a, a big thing in Australia is about the sport. You know, like Jiu-Jitsu is more seen as a sport, as a, a way to to people exercise or to get fit or to even compete and everything else. But there's not one different thing from Australia is not good or bad, actually. I think it's good, but there's no need of uh, self-defense as much as in Ireland, as in Brazil, as in, I don't know, some other places. You know, it's always, it's, it's a different mindset because here you go out in the street three in the morning and fall drunk on the grass with your wallet, your mobile, or your watch and your wrist and wake up the same way. You know, in other countries, you fall drunk, <laughs> you wake up naked and... In so Brazil, that, that doesn't happen in Brazil. <laughs> yeah, so that's it. So in Brazil, you really need it. <laughs> and I think that's why it really developed because we, we need it. So we, as a kid, you have fights in school. You have people try to mug you sometimes when you walk to home. So we really need it. But um, in Australia, it's growing a lot. So our last competition on 2019 was December 2019. Last year, there's no competitions at all because of this COVID stuff. So... Well, we had a thousand and two hundred competitors. That was just the local competition. A thousand two hundred, twelve hundred people. Yeah, then uh, in the Pan Pacific, we had the, the Pan Pacific, the biggest one. Remember, we went there in yeah. Melbourne. Was, in Melbourne. I think now the last one. I competed in two thousand nineteen again in the Pan Pacific there, and I think was I don't know if it was three thousand or four four thousand people in the competition. <laughs> Do you remember? Yeah. I, I remember the Palm Pacific. I fought this guy and I tapped him out and I just jumped up going, fuck yeah, screaming. <laughs> and then I went in to compete against his mate and his mate must have been pissed off and he tapped me out in about two seconds. <laughs> he broke my arm and I was like, fuck. <laughs> I was thinking, I've got a photograph of me with my arm up going, yeah, thinking of his dog's dick. And then he just got me off. That was a good trip. Yes, I think, I think, and just to have a reference, I think the World Championship now, I don't know if it's 20,000 competitors or something like that. It's five days. The, but the biggest one is the, is the interesting too, the biggest competition nowadays, not even the World Championship, is the Masters, World Masters. It's in Las Vegas and goes through four days, and there's people from everywhere around the world. It's the Tell biggest one. What are, are you seeing uh, much of a crossover from Jiu-Jitsu to MMA? Are there, a lot of, are there any, or is it just... Is it two separate entities now? 
Well, I think every MMA fighter has to do, because in the past was like this. You are a jiu-jitsu fighter, and you train other things to go MMA. You are a boxing fighter, and you tra train other things. The wrestler, you train other things. Nowadays, I think the kids, because they are trained since the early age, so they train everything already. So when they get to 20 years old, they are good in jiu-jitsu, in boxing, wrestling, judo, in, you know, whatever, Muay Thai. So I think yeah, it's, it's like fundamental for MMA. You have to know jiu-jitsu, you have to know wrestling, you have to have a stand-up. So if you are, and today also MMA is a career, right? So like jiu-jitsu, you can start thinking about when you are teenager, when you are 13 years old, you can think, oh, I'm going to be an MMA fighter. So you have all those, those years from 13 to 18, 20, or even before they already started to, to get good in everything. In the past, you were jiu-jitsu black belt. Okay, now I'm going to fight MMA. Okay, so I have to learn some punches and some other things. So it's very different. So I think jiu-jitsu is compulsory. And everybody knows even McGregor now is was brown belt and was a champion. I don't know if it must be two training, he must be a black belt now. So everybody knows they need it. Also, they need some big downs and they need some strike. But I think uh became a bit separate because you can do jiu-jitsu without MMA. Yeah. You know, you can do you cannot do MMA without jiu-jitsu, but you can do jiu-jitsu. So let's say the big majority of MMA gyms, like MMA, just to train to MMA, they have a jiu-jitsu instructor because it's they know they have to have it. You know, now the jiu-jitsu gyms grew a lot separate. Jiu-jitsu grew a lot separate in the past. And you have, if you remember in the past, like in the 80s and 90s, uh, MMA was to prove yourself and to prove your martial arts was better than the other. Yeah. Right? So you train, yeah, the jiu-jitsu guys train a lot of jiu-jitsu, grab the guy, take down choke. You know, the boxers or the Muay Thai guys try to stay stand so it was not cross. But nowadays, everybody trains everything. So MMA is very specific. Uh, training and not for everyone. I think MMA, MMA gyms, we tried before put MMA class in our gym and um, people come, okay, first first month we have, I don't know, 50 students. Second month, we have 20. Third month, we have 10. Fourth month, maybe three or four. Because the thing is tough, you know, and it's hard to believe, it's hard to learn uh, Jiu-Jitsu to get with everything else. So we have to learn a little bit this, a little bit that, so we have to, very disciplined nowadays. The MMA fighters are very disciplined. You cannot be an MMA fighter without discipline. Yeah, without MMA no, like, fighters are athletes <laughs> now. Talking of MMA, um, I remember about 2002, I was watching this show called Real Heroes. Yeah, it's George. Um, yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> my yeah. It's going to bring up because I can remember watching. I used to watch these religiously. I was ballet tudo, and because back in, when I was doing MMA, it was cage fighting over here. And myself and Davy and a couple of others, Greg Locker and Thomas Duff and Leo, we learned our grappling through Grappling Magazine and VHS yeah. tapes that we ordered from America to watch. And so yeah. the, the, um, Real Heroes, one of these shows we were watching, we think it was amazing. And I always remember George um, refereeing it. And then I went over to you and I was like, I know that guy's face. And then I was like, fuck, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it's such a small community. Do you see, um, do you still see that in, in Brazil, that type of underground MMA, or is it just moved completely mainstream in Brazil? Well, uh, just just to notice uh, when the first first one, George used the roots, the roots shirt, because he had a roots <laughs> shirt written, no rules. So he put it on. So, <laughs> good, good, that doesn't matter. Yeah, what happens is uh, that was the idea of Hero Heroes, George had, because MMA became so, so full of rules. They took out the reality thing from it, right? Did, they, George, they put, did George create? Huh? Did, was George yeah. the creator of, of it? Was it? Yeah, he created. Yeah, he created. Yeah. Oh, wait, I didn't know that. 
I just yeah, thought yeah, he created, I was George's own. No, is this is this show he created? Because what happened was after he fought uh, in America, he fought in Brazil, has big record, was Brazilian champion, heavyweight two times, you no, know, and MMA in Sao Paulo, he beat, he beat everyone two, in two years, I think was 96, 97, 95, 96, whatever. He, he had many fights there. And then they even uh, valued with all the globes. If you if you if you go to YouTube or something, you can watch many of these fights. And then when MMA, he became a bit, uh, he stopped stopped his career. And then after he saw MMA, in his opinion, and I agree, MMA became two fourth rules. So it's five minutes rounds. His globes, his weight limit, and he's a sport. Became a sport, right? But became he start to get away from reality. And what valitude was, valitude was like you have no time limit. So whatever happens there, you have to keep going. So that's not a guy who takes lots of steroids and go there for five minutes and, re and recover in one minute, go back there full on again. You know, you have to pace your fight. You have the real fight. So you can kick your head. You can hit the back of your neck. You can elbow. You can headbutt. You can do everything. So that's what's going to happen in a fight, you know, in a, in a fight in the street. So he thought about, okay, I'm going to bring back the old times of Valitude when the Eddie Grace, when Hicks on Grace, when the Graces were on, in Brazil fighting and all the challenge for their students as well. So... He thought about a show like that, no time limit, no globes, and no and very few rules, like the just gentleman rules. No kick the balls, no eye gouge, no bites, no, no manipulate the fingers. The rest is all good. And then he created a show. So the first one, if you see the first one, was in the in a in a in a park, on a court in a park. He put the mats on a park and the fights start in the park. And then the second one, they start to get more professional in there until they get a cage, uh, placed on a cage. And it was underground. Like that's a story. It was underground, and what they had, I think, fourteen or thirteen, in in one year. And uh, and the, the idea was keep going. But what happened was because it was underground, the same what happened to me here when I when I put the cage in the in the stage that there. there was no rules in favor in law. There was not 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 out law because there was not a law about it, right? So he could do it if he had all the all the things in place, like the place and the, the certificates or whatever it is. He could do it because nobody there was not a rule written in Brazil. You cannot do fight fights in in a in a warehouse. He can, he still can. So if everything's legal. So then they had it for for 14, 14 episodes and was a full on very successful all around the world. He was selling the internet, he was doing everything, and then what the the, the even the 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 press in Brazil went against, oh, it's underground fighting, it's illegal. I said, no, it's not illegal. We have everything right, it's not illegal. Where's the rule? Where's the law? Show us the law and we stop. And then uh, they did it. he wants to bring it back now. He, he's trying to get some sponsors to bring back because it was a good, a good show, a real show with lots of people around the world right. just love it. He came to here, he went to New Zealand to for when one time he came here with the, his family, he went to New Zealand to watch a, a, a hacker show. No, the Maoris doing the hacker dance. And the guys in the haka stopped the haka and recognized him. Yeah, it was a city watching, and then the guys finished the haka, stopped the everything, and say, Oh, we have here the presence of Master Jorge Pereira, the creator of New Heroes. And everybody came to get autographed. The Maoris, the big Maoris, came autographed from him. And said, <laughs> funny. He's a coral so, belt now, isn't he? Huh? He's a coral, coral belt now, yes. Coral belt? Yes, coral belt. Red belt's yeah. been retired, hasn't it? The what? Red belt. You can't be red belt anymore since Helio died. No, you can't. You can't. No, you can't. You still can be red belt. What happened? They just regulate the times of each belt. So you can be red belt. You can be red belt up to the ninth, ninth, ninth. Uh, then, 
but nobody can get the 10th Daniel Red Belt anymore. Just the founders, Roselli Grace and Carlos Grace were the only ones. Even Hickson and, Hor and uh, Horion, Horion's is Red Belt now, uh, Helson Grace is Red Belt now, the sons of, uh, of Eli Gracie. But they can just go to the Red Belt 9-10. You cannot go to the 10th Of all the Jiu-Jitsu fighters and com competitors, coaches and instructors you know, who was the greatest, <clears throat> in your opinion, without offending anyone? The greatest. The greatest. Who, in your opinion, was the greatest ever? The one the, in, in total Jiu-Jitsu, I think Hickson's the best. Hickson, his brain, yeah. the way he thinks about jiu-jitsu or what made him, what made him the greatest? Yeah, his brain, you know, because he's relaxed. Uh, a guy one time asking on one of those uh, fights he did in Japan and the, guy, the reporter came to him, hey, Hickson, but what are you expecting from the fight? What's your plan? I, he said, I don't have a plan. I just take what the guy gave to me. He's, you know, so he, he, yeah, he's just like, he's, he does yoga and all these things, of course, but he's just surf, surf as well to clean, but he's just... <clears throat> just open mind you know the mind is, is empty so whatever it comes it takes and of course he has the <clears throat> big advantage of first learning since he was born right so he was born in the mats and liberation and everything else he has the talent he has the ability he has the the complexion his body you know like he's not too heavy he's not too light you know he's mm -hmm. flexible but he's strong as well so he has all that whole package like Pelé he had all the package he kicked used you kick the ball from right and left so it doesn't matter where the ball comes he got the ball you know, Hickson like, I don't know, Michael Jordan, or like this kind. Yeah? Hickson, Hickson's the one in choke, isn't it? Hickson's choke. The, the yeah, guy. the one in choke, yeah. Yes. That wee, that wee Korean dude, that Chinese dude, he fought the, the Asian guy. In the end, you know, the fight, the, Jesus, he took some beating from that big lad first, didn't he? That was a battering session. I am, um, I was meant to say... The, 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 the Japanese guy, is the, he's the president of the Federation there in Japan, but he lost the sight from that fight. Did he? For his first fight. Yeah, he doesn't have, a, he's blind of one eye. He got to kick his eye. And he kept going to the competition. Yeah, until he the final. was a tough, tough bastard. I like the. Tough like... bastard. Yukanakai is the, yeah, the little guy. Yukanakai. What happened? Hickson talked about it. Hickson said, look, I respect the guy on the end because Hickson didn't punch him. Because the, he came to, to, to fight Hickson, he didn't punch Hickson. Hickson didn't punch back, but he just went for submission. He saw he was already with the eye popped out. So he said, I don't need to punch the guys to win or I can win in. in he in, reminded um, me of Sakuraba. You know, yes. that, that toughness that just never give up and just when you think he's out, you're like the referee stop that fight and he just kept going. We were talking mm, about Rio mm. Heroes there. There was a fight in Rio Heroes I watched actually. It must have been about six months ago on YouTube. Some girl in it, she beat the seven shades of shit out of this guy. <laughs> <He> was, <laughs> oh yeah. my god i was like what the fuck like it shows you but that to me that just shows you and i have experience it from a girlfriend here my fiance who's not even doing jiu-jitsu just a few things like it doesn't matter what weight you are it doesn't matter what sex you are it's about talent and skill and like understanding chrissy do you remember chrissy was when i was there christy the girl yes Holly. yes yes chrissy very good I yes i hate it the same Oh my God, I hated grappling her because I'm a, I'm a pressure fighter. I like to lie on top of you and use my weight. And her limbs would just find the smallest gap and her knee would be through and you'd be like, fuck. And then that's when you were ego. Like I, that's when I was MMA fighter and I was ego and I was like, I am not tapping from a girl. There's no way a girl's going to tap me. <laughs> <laughs> and you were like, fuck, I'm going to tap. And then you had to tap and you were like, oh, I'm scundered. <laughs> no, they're tough. You see this girl like the, the, the lioness now. The UFC champion, or Amanda Nunes with uh, the oh. Brazilian girl. She just, ah, 
can fight the guys. That girl can fight the guys. Put her in the light division, the guys, the, 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 the feather division, whatever it is, she's going to give, give them the hard time. Did you see the guy that the, the, the was mumbling two years ago or something? The, the guy who tried to roll the MMA fighter, the female MMA fighter, and his face is just battered. He, like, his, like he got his balls kicked in and his mugshot, he's just standing there and his like, eyes out here and his lips out here. And <laughs> he tried yeah, to roll her. That's true. Yeah, yeah. It's something that, like, I've got two daughters, so I've got a four-year-old and a seven-year-old, and to me, because of my knowledge, I'm always going to teach them, and I, it's, it's something that every woman, it sounds terrible, but, like, the rape position, if you're going to be, if a woman's going to be attacked and raped, like, the guard is the place to be, you know, yes. you want to know it, and I think that's why it should be compulsory in schools, because, you know, girls yes. need to learn this stuff, because it's a big, bad world out there, and women are taken advantage of regardless of how much we've moved on to society. There is that element of male chauvinisticness where they will attack women. And I don't understand why jujitsu is not used more often to show women yeah. how they can how they can defend themselves because it is a gentle art. It's something that keeps you fit, keeps you lean, keeps you mobile, keeps you strong and teaches exactly. you skills and confidence. I think, I think, uh, uh, I, we had this experience here, Philippa, right? Philippa was teaching, now she's not teaching anymore, but she was teaching for many years. And every time we had her teaching in the gym, comes a lot more girls to train. I think that there's, there's something to do with the contact because the girls, let's say, your, girl, your, your fiance doesn't want to go in a gym, you know, and uh, wrestle with another guy, you know? Yeah. They feel that, that in their mind. So I think, I think a female-only class taught by a female is very important to have. But then we don't have as many females yet. In America, they have lots now. In Brazil, they have lots now. But I say in Australia, in Europe, there's no many females yet teaching. But I think that gives them more like a relax. They relax more and come, okay, I'm going to just train with girls, so it'll be okay. And what happens is, that's the, the funny part. They do train, they start training with girls in the girls-only class. And half of them, after six months, they say, oh, the girls are too, too soft. I want to go to the men's class. <laughs> that's a good yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. That's perfect because now they lost that uh, first impact, that contact thing. Okay, okay, but now I can fight. So instead of fight the girls, the girls are weak. I'm gonna try myself with the men. And most of them, when they come to the mixed classes, they stay because they feel more challenged. You know, and they are good on it. It's not that the, the guys don't best me. They are good on it. I think it was Philippa. Don't quote me on this. It could be wrong, but something in my head says Philippa. But when I first went to, I love Philippa. She's such a lovely woman. Like she's the nicest, mm. friendliest girl in the world. And I remember I had never grappled with a girl before and I didn't know where to put my hands. I'm pretty sure it was Philippa, but she just grabbed my hand and went, it's a tit, get over it. And then grappled. She put my hand, I, <laughs> I was like going, fuck her. And she just went, it's a tit, get over it. And I was like, right, okay. And from that moment, I was like, all right, okay. It's not, you know, you're, and that, that made me feel at ease because I was always going, Jesus, how do you grapple against a girl? It's, you know, yes. you, you were scared of dominating. I was stupid to think that because Philippa beat the head clean off me. <laughs> she is, yeah, she is strong. Yeah, we had, we had. Uh, I always tell the, the guys and the girls, of course, uh, when they are in the class. This story in Brazil, we were training with George. I was a blue belt, and there was Maria. It was a beautiful girl, a Brazilian beautiful girl. You can imagine blue belt as well. And then um, every time happened. So we train and everything. It comes a new guy, right? It comes a new guy. One of those. A bit bigger guys and cocky, and uh, you, you're gonna try jujitsu. And George, the first time uh, he he does for one week, he learns the basics and stuff. And then when he, the first time he's gonna grapple, he comes to to the guy. Oh man, you could go with Maria. 
And the guy looked, oh, fuck, that's a hot girl. I go with Maria. And he goes, and got, Maria's God. <laughs> he goes straight to Maria's God. Right? Maria was good. He had a good God. So Maria closed the God. And the guy, of course, not think about jiu-jitsu anymore. Think about being between the legs of Maria. That was his last thought. The last thing he does for the next five minutes is tap and scream and cry, whatever it is, and be choked out and be tapped on the arm and crack. Next day, he comes back. George, hey man, oh cool, you go with Maria. No, no, I'm sorry, I don't want to go with Maria. <laughs> Have you noticed, um, the one thing I did notice, and maybe you can elaborate on a bit more, was when I was doing jiu-jitsu with you, closed guard was a very, it was, it was popular, it was what it was, and now it seemed, when I went back to it, it seems to be closed guard is almost shunned upon, and it's open guard, it's very attack-oriented. 2005 yes. was very defensive, close everyone in, do, do collar chokes, you know, from tight in. Now it's like very much open. The, the game has just evolved to a different level. Yes. Do you, yes, uh, yes. You, one, go ahead, okay, what were you going to say? Yeah, one thing I think, uh, Jiu-Jitsu, uh, Jiu because the thing in Jiu-Jitsu is not, is not close. No, it's not like, uh, I don't know, let's say another martial art that you have just that amount of punch, you cannot get out from those punch because it doesn't work. Jiu-Jitsu is very open to, and tell the guys too, guys, creativity is one of the main points creativity and, and try. You know? So if you create something, if you have, a, if you try, if you, I don't know, have imagination, Jiu-Jitsu, you can create a position that works and that's part of Jiu-Jitsu. So every time the guy invents one guard, someone else invents. So the guard works for a while and someone invents a way to pass that guard. And then you have to invent something else. So it's always evolving. And the speed of the evolution now, I think, is amazing and the internet's very responsible for that because you can see competitions you can see you have a, a tutorial training you have techniques you have everything so get the information and practice that and it, like you said in the, in the past you used to have the magazines right the, the magazine from america and go through it and go the techniques now in the internet you go like 10 times faster you know so i think the internet's very responsible for that and people and also because jiu-jitsu is all over the world now so there's people training jiu-jitsu in japan and in brazil and in ireland and in australia and in africa so the amount of people training, the amount of information makes it uh, run faster. So you invent something today that works, and tomorrow a guy invents something to counter that. They keep going up, so exponential. So the the, the speed is crazy, and the evolution is open guard because you can move better. On the close guard, you are limited to the close because if you open your legs, then you are in danger. Now the uh, the development happened like when you open the legs and step on the guy, you have two thousand variations of moves. You know, so it became very hard, much harder for the guy on top. When did you see the evolution go from this to that? What year do you think I, it started? I, I think about 2010, 2012. Yeah. And do you ever see it stopping? Do you ever see it? Do you ever see it? No, I don't, from, no, no? I don't because now, and also because what happened, a big thing happened in there is even a, a, a way, some people in Jiu Jitsu that want to go to the back old, old, old style, you know, because Jiu Jitsu. In the beginning, it was together with self-defense and came MMA still together, and then now start to do this. So there's a there's a there's a way that is the self-defense and the old way, like for defend your life or save yourself, and the other way is the competition. So it's going like to veterans, like karate or other martial arts that create too many styles. So there is the sport jiu-jitsu now they call that's gi and no gi, and there is the self-defense jiu-jitsu and there is the other jiu-jitsu. So like Hicks and George and I have the same opinion. Jiu-Jitsu has to think about yourself, defend yourself. Oh, but what about this sport? The sport's a good side of it. You can have it. You can have all these spinning things in around. 
but you always have to have in your in your gym at least one day for self-defense, one day that things really work. You know, like because if you open your let's say you have a street fight, you fall on the floor and you open your leg and start to spin too much, the guy just thump on your head. You know, so that's one very important yeah. part of that this sports side of jiu-jitsu is losing these this fight fighting martial arts essence becomes too much sport so it's beautiful it's good because grows because it has more like kids and more people can can do it without danger of getting hurt or just you know like and of course development for sports is always nice but they always have to remember that's a martial arts so we have to learn the martial arts side of it too you basically answered my next question because i was going to ask you what's your opinion because i've seen things like was it donkey guard and stuff like that these people sitting on their ass and just and shimmying over, it, it seemed to me, it's, to me, that's ruining the art. I understand. I understand. It's like judo. Judo's went from, you know, no leg, no leg grabs and all because it's more dynamic yeah. for the sport. But do you yeah. not think it's also diluting the art as an art? Yeah. Yes. Do you, do you not think there needs to be a balance somewhere? Like, do you, can you ever see a time when the Jiu-Jitsu Federation will introduce new rules to prevent the art from disappearing? Or do you think it's going to be new rules and the art will disappear? No, I think I think they are to stay, but the, the sport's gonna grow totally apart of it. So you're gonna have guys like say, yeah, you're gonna have guys let's say nowadays you already have it. You have black like you have black belt nowadays that cannot fight in the street, they're gonna be bashed. That's what's gonna happen. In the past, you yeah, in the past it happened. When a black belt, you just like George said the other day in, a, in one of his videos on the internet, black belt has to be untouchable. And in my time, black belt was untouchable. You touch the black belt, you 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 have problems. You know, nowadays, I you... Huh? <laughs> I remember. Do you remember the last night of my second... Remember when I went over? Remember I pop, Remember the time I popped my knee with Philip? Remember yes. I wrecked my knee with three, two days into the training? And for, 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 for people watching this, I went over a seven-week stream in Australia. Day two, popped the MCL in my leg and was turned. Couldn't train the rest of the weeks. So I was raging. But I remember the last night we were in the... Um, Bondi, not the Bondi Hotel, Beach Road Hotel. Beach Road, Beach Road Hotel, yeah. A fucking, some guy, the three, four big fucking rugby players. And I just, you're like, hey, what the fuck are you doing? And I'm looking going, Paolo, there's fucking two of us. There's about 20 of <laughs> And you're just, you've just got these demonic eyes. And I was going, he's actually going to do this. He's going to fucking try to fight these five fellas. And I'm going to get my cunt knocked in here because of this bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. And then we got thrown out and I was raging. <laughs> I remember that night so clearly. I was just going, oh, Jesus, I'm going to get my balls rolled here. This rocket. You just had that. And that's that the reason I'm thinking that is because you're old school jujitsu. And that's what I'm wondering, like, like your black belts will probably have your ethos ingrained in them, but there must, there will come a point where obviously these guys are not going to have like your direct contact with you and the sport is going to take on. And do you know, I'm, I'm worried about the, because I'm very traditional and my, I like the martial art art side of it. I like the martial arts side as opposed to the sports side. Are you never worried that the sports side is going to take on so much the likes of you, the old school, the old gangster guys are going to be gone and in their place is just going to be like a sport because money, the, the, the money is in the sport, isn't that, as opposed to the martial art? Are you never worried about the fact that maybe this could go 20 years, 30 years down the line? That Yes, I, I worry about that, but I think I know that we still have people keeping the, the martial arts side on it and because necessary, because let's say a country like Brazil, if you just go sports side, you're going to be bashing the next street, next corner. So have to learn the martial arts. So this is going to keep it. 
but I think it's not uh, just a problem of jiu-jitsu, it's a problem with the society, you know, the society in general. They are going softer, they're going more like, I don't know, everybody has a camera and want to film you because, you know, like you cannot say anything and, uh, and all these things, not like society pressure. So there were, oh, but wait a minute, you're not happy with a less violent world? Yes, I'm very happy if there were, there's, there's no violence anymore. Like not people dying with hunger in Africa or anywhere else, not people dying with, I don't know, murders in Brazil or in whatever else. I'm very happy with a no violent world, but that's not real, you know? More the world develop, more poverty is in, more violent gonna be. Of course, the rich countries like Switzerland and Australia and these, they, I, I live here this everywhere, every day. When I came to Australia, I said, what the fuck is this? This is Disneyland, you know? <laughs> yeah, I it's think... Disneyland. I can leave my car open, I can leave my door open, I can leave my fucking phone on the, on the table, I forget my, my wallet in somewhere, and I go back there, it's still there. What the fuck is this? You know, I didn't, I was not used to it. I, I grew up like, like you in, in, in Ireland. I grew up like take care of myself, you know, watching out and uh, being, <clears throat> being used to sometime, anytime go, things go crazy. And here they'll never go crazy. Still, 20 years after, still, the door is open, the car is open, the ATM is like anywhere. You just go in three in the morning, the ATM take money, nobody's watching you. I still like a bit, a bit impressed, you know, but <clears throat> I think that's the way the ideal world, but doesn't as it happen. So, what I try to pass, and that's you said, oh, when I'm, I'm, when I'm gone, will my students do the same? I don't know, maybe, maybe not. <clears throat> but there will always be someone looking for, for the, so I don't think it will disappear. But about jiu-jitsu, it's already separate like this. There's the, the survival, the martial arts side, and that's the sports side. So people want to be, nowadays, I see black belts there. I come to them, man, what happens if uh, someone uh, grab your, your, your girlfriend bum in the nightclub and tell you a dickhead, you're gonna take your girlfriend, you're gonna do what? Okay, please, and pay a drink to him. That's what you're gonna do. If a guy slap your head, they got punched your face and you're knocked out, what are you gonna do? You're gonna cry, call the police, take your phone and film him. Oh, he's punching me. You're gonna punch you again and take your phone. Oh, bro, that's not like that. Oh, it's like that. You have to be ready. But yes, but I, the rest of your question, I think the martial arts side getting smaller and the, the sports side getting bigger because of those types. It's every, every, everything, it's not just, just this normal life, like my kids in school. When my kids go to school, I train them every day, two, three times a week in the gym, and all the other kids there. I say, guys, look, I always put the bully situation on Friday or on Friday, no, Saturday classes. I have the gloves there. I put the gloves in one kid, one punch, the other one take down. No, that's the bully situation. The bully gonna push you, the bully gonna bash you, the bully gonna keep going, so you have to go. Oh, but what should we do? The parents are watching outside. What should we do? Should we choke them out? I said, no, don't choke them out. What should we do? Oh, we should take them down and hold them down, you know? And then another kid, one of my boys, the boys there asked his friend about, he's about 10 years old last year in school. He had a problem, right? The boy wanted to fight him. And he fought the boy, the boy they started to fight, grabbed the boy, took him down, mount, hold him down, said, stop the fight, stop the fight. The boy said, yeah, yeah, okay, stop. They stood up. Josh, this, this student of mine, turn around, the boy punched him from behind. I said, well, you did every, almost everything right, but when you will leave, you never turn your back. You face the guy and walk backwards, and then we train that, you know, so things happen, and he, he learned. So that's, that's the, the, exactly, that, that's the, the, the side of what I want to do. And then after they grow up and they become like soft people and don't want to, you know, like use it, don't use it, but at least you know. But I think the martial arts side is very, very important and has to be kept, and it's not being kept for most of the gyms, not. Like Thiago, Thiago left the uh, roots, right? He opened another gym there. And then his students called me like last month. 
Oh, Paolo, how is this? Oh, this is uh, Felipe. Who wants to talk to the normal? Yes, go for it. Is that the dog out there? He's sitting there looking to go to the toilet. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> he's just at the toilet. So tell me, yes, Paolo. Uh, no, no, but let me tell you this. So, okay, so the guy called me, Paolo. Paolo, what's happening? Uh, Paolo, good, oh, good. Oh, Paolo, I have something to talk to you. What's it? Oh, we have a guy. He's sending me the video after. We have a guy from our gym. He's a blue belt. He went. He was in mainly surfing, and some Australian guys want to fight him. And every time now he goes, the guys pick on him. And so, so what's the problem? He's not a blue belt. He should fight the guys. Oh no, but you know, he's a bit, he's a bit concerned, a bit afraid. He doesn't want to fight the guys. Why he doesn't want to fight the guys? Oh, because he doesn't know what to do. That's what the fuck you a blue belt. You don't know what to do. Take the guy <laughs> down, mount him, and punch his head off. Oh, or choke him, get his arm or something. Oh, no, but you know, we don't train self-defense. We don't know our, our training there. It's just competition. I said, what the fuck? What it's only going to become a black belt. You're going to be having the same. Oh, could you do some privates and stuff? Yeah, we could do some privates. Like, oh, how, do, how should we train? Well, get the glove and punch the hell out of him and make, tell him to defend himself. So he gets used to be punched, get used to, to the rough times, and you're going to fight anyone. And they, oh, okay, okay, we'll talk to you. See, that's, yeah. that's exactly the prime example I'm talking about. There's so many people doing jiu-jitsu, but they're not doing jiu-jitsu. They're, they're doing sports. No, they're not. Yeah, they're, they're just going there to, to, have, to, to play around and spin the bum on the floor. Yeah. They, they do fan arm bars and do the bolerona, whatever you call these new moves. There's, there's, no real, there's no real focus on like position before submission type of thing. That's all like attack, attack, yes. attack. Whereas in the real in the real situation, you want to control the guy. You want to be heavy on him. You want to make sure his limbs aren't moving and he can't punch you. Exactly. They're all small skills that I think are being lost. I've seen it because because of like the way the background I've came from. I've always like I've got a natural trying to hurt someone. Like when I when I when I'm on top, I want to hurt. I want to cause pain. I want to cause distraction by through pain so I can get another move. But like it's now very soft and relaxed, and yeah, yeah it's yeah. fast as hell. And like you know, you get these guys with flexible hips that just fly yes. in the yes. eyeballs. Yeah. But there's no. That's real... the point. Like like you, the real jiu-jitsu. Now our our logo. Real jiu-jitsu. I hope you're gonna send me over a t-shirt. My t-shirts are all ruined. Yeah, I will. Will we have now? I put underneath real jiu-jitsu because not every jiu-jitsu is real anymore. You know, like some jiu-jitsu are just fancy jiu-jitsu. They could use fancy jiu-jitsu, ballerina <laughs> jiu-jitsu, whatever for their names, yeah. Uh, yeah, because uh, I even tell them, look, ballerinas are tougher than you guys. Because ballerinas, have a look at the foot of the ballerina. They hurt that foot because they train very hard, you know? And you guys are just one soft training here and just take your photos for the Instagram and, 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 and that's it with the gig. So, no, yeah, so that's it. So I think, but I think... Um, even if the sports developing very fast, I think still have people there doing the, the base. Because you, not everybody's that flexible, not everybody's that this, but jiu-jitsu has to be for everyone. So everyone has to know the basics and then you decide what you're going to do. So yeah, so I think we will disappear a bit, but not totally. How many black belts are you under you now? Huh? How many black, belts, how many black belts are under you now? Direct, direct uh, under you? No, directly to me, I don't have many. Maybe I have 10, 12. 10, 12, but then you've got all yeah. the all the Roberts and all, all their boys have got black belts. Yeah, so then they, they have their black belts and stuff. But in roots, we must have, I don't know, maybe 50, maybe 70, including Seriously? the Korean ones. That, yeah. That can only do that. Like, that's amazing. When I think about it, 
Like when I was there, they had you. Tiago wasn't black belt then. No, nobody, just me. It was just you, yeah. Who who was the guy that came over from Brazil, and he was like world champion, brown belt, and all different, and he couldn't speak English, but the only word he could say was tap, and he, I remember, <laughs> I remember because what he would do, he would he would he would just be six moves ahead of you, and before he tapped you out, he would just say hey tap, and then I go what tap, <laughs> he would call it tap. <laughs> And I, me and Luke just look, Luke and I just looked at each other. We were like, oh, fuck, here we go again. And he'd be like, bum, 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 tap. And like, ah, and then bum, 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 tap. Ah! <laughs> it was phenomenal. But like, I can't, I can't fathom what it'd be like to have 70 black belts to be able to grapple with. Like the white belt level must be insane. The white belt level must be equal to a blue belt when I was training. You know, the, the, yeah, the, I'm talking. I'm talking talk seventy black belts, including Korea, including Macedonia. Already, yeah. You know, but uh, but sometimes here we have because some of them also stop training. Some of them, like Tim Ritchie and other guys, got the black. Did the, the other things in life. Him get a but, black belt. Um, huh? Tim Ritchie get a black belt today. Yeah, he got it. He got it some years yeah. ago, and then he traveled around the world. Now he lives in Byron Bay, so I don't think he's training anymore. But yeah, he got a black belt. Most of the old uh, older guys got a black belt. Some of them stopped. Some of them came back. So we have Brad, we have Ivan still training. We have all, all these guys, the old Is generation Ivan training. Still training is he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ivan's still training. And Brad's still training. Brad's the, the funniest one, but still training. Brad, Brad, was broken. Brad was broken when I was there. <laughs> How long is he a black belt? He was brown belt when I was there. Yeah, he got yeah, he was with the first one. Him, Fabio. Uh, oh, Fabio. Was, was I haven't spoken Fabio, to Fabio, Fabio in years. Fabio. Yeah, Fabio's living the Gold Coast now. But um, well, who else? Uh, the, all the guys who were there, like, um, he's still training. Some most who, who stopped. I think maybe three or four stopped, but the rest of them come now and then or come. Red is opening a new gym now in Avalon again. He was in Neutral Bay, that old gym he had now. He, he moved to Avalon. So it's another beach close to here. It's Everybody's training. Yeah, people people train for fun. Now this time they've come and trained for fun. Ivan, Ivan um, had a trouble in the bus the other day. The bus, whatever else, and you just did a <laughs> I cannot tell this, but I will. He was in front of the camera, and he took oh, the guy behind the bars and just, just went hard on the guy with the fuck going to fight, and <laughs> the guy chicken out. <laughs> it's my, biggest regret. my biggest regret is not seeing it through. It is. I, I look back at myself and I go, I wasted so many years. I could have been a black belt. I could have been, I could have been, been one of the first black belts in Ireland. Do you know, I yes, could have been would, there with the first would, black yeah. belts in Ireland, but I, I, I stupidly just let myself. Just talk yeah, but you did other things. No, that's what that's what I mean. It happens to people. Like sometimes they want to train, but then life comes around and they had to work this or they do something else, or they go to a place there's no jujitsu, or some different things happen and they stop and then they come back later. We have guys now that don't train for I don't know 10 years and so and then they come back, even white or blue belts, they come back. Oh, okay, I wouldn't start training again and come back train again just because they had kids, because they had a job where somewhere, or this or that or that. And then they come for the for the fun of it, you know, and then they develop again. And you tell me, yes, yeah. are you still going out to Indonesia for your week holiday on the boat to go surfing? Do you <laughs> did you watch that? Did you watch that uh, the the boat thing, the boat almost fight in the YouTube? No. Yeah, someone filmed one day. We went there, and there was a trouble for another guy. I jumped on the front. Have you seen the? Of course, you've seen the Planet of the Apes, the first one, the new, the new yeah. version. And you know the the bad guy who got locked in the in the in the in the spaceship in the end. Yeah. The bad monkey. Yeah, so yeah. like that, and he jumps, always jump like, yeah. like that. And then I jump from the boat in the water on top of the guy. 
<laughs> I remember you telling me about stories about you going surfing in Brazil and someone cut you off and you would swim to the shore and you would just wait there and go, hey, come on, I'll fight you now. Uh, no, crazy, crazy times. It still happens sometimes. Surfing, people think surfing, the surfing is very quiet and relaxed and everybody's zen and waiting for the waves and look at the sunrise. But things go crazy. Surfing is, a, is an aggressive area. People like fight each other, scream and drop into the shore. And it's, it's, a, yeah, it's, not, it's not very easy have you uh, calmed environment. down? Have you huh? calmed down any? Are you still as crazy? Uh, as sometimes, you sometimes, I, sometimes there's some fights there. But Australians are very soft. You know, they don't want to fight. They want to talk. Ah, and uh, they don't fight. But yeah, uh, but we have some. Uh, no, I still go. I still go in the boat. I still go into Indonesia. I went to Maldives, to Fiji. Oh, he, good thing about Australia is very close to this Pacific region here, Pacific Islands. So just travel around in Pacific and Indic as well. So in India Ocean one side, Pacific and the other. So the the flights are cheap. And the place is amazing. So lots of tropical islands here. So you know, like as soon as it's open again, every year I go once or twice to Bali and to all the Indonesian islands and also sometimes Fiji. Some that's, uh, two years ago I went to Maldives. First time I went to the Maldives and it's amazing. Like good waves, good good food. It's all just paradise place. Well, you used to be a professional surfer, were you? I was, yeah. Yeah. I how was long there a long time with you. Yeah. How long uh, were professionals? How long were you professionally surfing for? I was amateur about for six years and professional for for almost five years, four to five years. When they went, but at that time, but the other times, the, the, those times in the beginning of the nineties, end of eighties, beginning nineties, people like many Brazilians, they have the money to come out and surf in the world circuit because it was very expensive, tickets and everything. So the the, the national circuit was very strong, but was just in Brazil, so like not many guys, one or two guys used to go to Hawaii sometimes to compete or to South Africa, but most the, the, the national um, competition was very strong. And the proof of that now, because now the world champions Brazilian, the world champion last year was Brazilian, so they called the Brazilian Storm. That's what the new generation of Brazilians who took over the, the world championship. So now all the top five, from the top five, four Brazilian. So, you know, so the new generation learn from us and from that time in Brazil get very strong and then start to come out because now it's easier and cheaper to get out from the country, right? So, yeah, yeah. so it's much better. And how often are you surfing these days? Fun. Are you surfing these days much, are you? Or are you more yeah, yeah, I've been surfing. We live here close to the beach. The beach is just about five minutes walk down the hill. So, been surfing, what, two, three times a week. It's good because to recover the injuries, to get in the salt water, you know, to refresh. In winter, it's a bit cold, not as cold as there, but it's a bit cold, but I have the wetsuit, so just go there and go cross it. In the summer, I wear a five mil wetsuit. <laughs> 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 I, I remember you coming over here to do the seminar and uh, when yeah. I Friday Academy Ireland and you had to borrow a pair of socks. You were so cold, it was May. We were all we were all walking about in t-shirts and you were like, fuck me, boy. <laughs> Coats and hats and everything. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, great, yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. I had Leon there and I had the Jackson. Come here. I had the old, I had the old job. Let me see this dog now. Come here. Oh, I've got this boy now, Jackson. Hey, hey. what's up, Jackson? <laughs> I remember Jackson. the old one you had. Remember? I remember Leo. the old one, the first one, the white and black. Yeah. He's still, he's still there. He's still alive. He's, he's 14, 13 now. Yeah. He's, he's old. Old and <laughs> I'd say he's got maybe a few months left. Not I'll be heartbroken when he goes, yeah. but this is the new guy. Okay, but listen, cool. Paulo, we'll call it there. That was a good hour and a half talking, mate. It was absolutely brilliant to catch up with you again. I miss, I miss talking to you. I actually must do this more often just, just for the sake of talking to you. It'd be great to catch up with you again. Yeah, I mean, let's do it. That was amazing. And it's good to get like those 
all those comments you you do, or the things you post, you put in the internet. I just laugh about it. Life, oh, <laughs> love it. it talks I haven't shit. changed. Do you know what I do want to tell? Because I didn't talk about this, but I do want to tell the story about because it's it's massive how it's funny how life works out. But when I was in Australia, and I've already talked about this, but I'll tell it because we're on we're on recording now. When I was in Australia, I was two days away from leaving Australia, and I was sitting there looking at the Bronte Herald or the Bondi Herald, whatever it was, and I was like about I literally was about to go up and book my flight home because I had no money, and the last page was. I seen this, hey, you want to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? And I just was like, fuck! And I ran from Warners Avenue up the Hakua Club, which is about a quarter of a mile up a hill. And I sprinted up and I ran up the stairs all the way up the top. And I got there and I was like, hey, are you doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? And you were like, is he talking English? What the fuck's he talking about? And, I, <laughs> and I'm going, and then I'm saying to the guy, is he talking English? What's he talking about? <laughs> and the two of us were talking. But I said to you, and I'll finish, I think it's the perfect way to finish. Jiu-Jitsu is an international language because we couldn't yeah. understand each other. No one understood me. But as soon as we were on the mats, it was yeah. like, it was an international language. You knew exactly what it was. And for me, that is what Jiu-Jitsu is. It's like, yeah. it's like a way to communicate with anyone, no matter what the language. It's beautiful. And that's the, and that's the, and then just to finish as well, that's the, the thing about Jiu-Jitsu. Um, it's like, it's not just the martial arts, not just go there and fight and go home. Like, because Craig came from the Gracie family, you know, and they developed and there was a family and the family feeling is the same. You know, like for kids, if the kids come, it's then like family, if the adults come, the women or whoever, it's like family. So we don't want to just teach the guy and the guy pay you when it's a service. We never see it as a service. You see, of course, it's a service, but it's not a separate like that. It's a family, like, is everybody welcome, everybody? If you behave properly, you're going to be happy. If you behave wrong, you're going to get bashed. So that's only that, you know, so... You just go there and become and make a link. And I, I want, want to start to say to finish as well. Like um, there was in that time of Sakuraba and these guys, the Japanese, lots of Japanese were going to Brazil to train Jiu-Jitsu to learn the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu because uh, different than Brazilian, and then then the Japanese. And then um, they arrived there, and one of the things one of them said they went to a gym to train, right? About five six Japanese guys, and then uh, black belt Jiu-Jitsu Japanese. And then when they finish. You know when you, we form the we form to bow, everybody yep. forming and, and finish the class in bow, and then after in Japan they said, look in Japan we bow, we don't touch the master. The master is there, we are here, and we just go home. Here, we were very impressed of the the the, the, the heart, heart, heartwarming feeling because after you bow, you go then shake hands and hug everyone, and the that was loop, a different. The big loop, everyone yes. takes it. I everybody goes around. Yeah. I tell you what, Paulo, as a credit to yourself, it shows you what you've built because. I havenven't been in Australia since 2007. I, I went back for six weeks, but I, really I haven't been there since 2005. And here we are, we're talking away, like we're like we haven't seen each other yesterday. Yeah, exactly. I talked to Dave O'Brien, I, talk, I was talking to Eleni, I talked to Luke. You've, you've built something that when you talk about Roots, his family, you have built something that is family because 15 years later, 16 years later, and I'm still, I still classify yeah. his mate. I still classify, I still tell people, Paulo's my instructor. Do you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I still classify my, when I go to my jiu-jitsu club, I wore my roots gi because roots is my, it's, it's my roots for jiu-jitsu. So Paulo. Okay, oh, cool. I got, I'll send you a new gi then. Paulo, I want to thank you so much. That was one of the best conversations I've had in a long time. I really appreciate it. All right, it. man. Thank you. Okay. Yes, and, uh, keep, keep going. This, this podcast fits you perfectly. Keep oh. talking because you like to talk. So just keep it on. 
I will, mate. I'll get you back on another time. Don't you worry. It'll be brilliant. All right, man. Let's talk. Thank you, buddy. Okay, see good you to soon. see you, man. Bye.